You're listening to episode 20 of the smartsocial.com podcast. I'm your host, Josh Oaks. In this episode, we're teaching parents about how to talk about bodies and sex with their teenagers and younger in the digital age. I've got an awesome expert here. She's Dolly Clock, MD. She is a family medicine doctor that now has put being a doctor on hold so that she can talk to families about body image and sex. She's incredible. I adore her. I think you're going to like her tips. She's a former speaker at our digital citizenship conference that took place here in Los Angeles enjoy the episode. The question is, how do you keep your kids safe and smart online while helping them have fun and someday build a positive online identity that can help them in the future? That's the question, and this podcast is the answer. We interview experts each week that help you be the best parent and or educator you can become to protect your kids and students online. My name is Josh Oaks, and I travel the country each year teaching students and professionals how to shine online. You can learn more at smartsocial.com. Enjoy the show. Hey, parents and educators, before we get started on this episode, we have some new videos in Parent University I'd like to tell you about. Now, you know that Parent University, if you've listened to our past episodes, it's a $9 a month program that makes you the best parent on the block, the most ready to protect your kids. And no, there won't be some kind of a light on the dashboard in your car that will warn you that your kids are being unsafe. And yes, it will come too late when you learn that they had done something. And it's not when, it's it's not if it happens, it's when, unfortunately, because they're curious little people. And my goal is to give you the resources you need so that you're not the bad parent, but rather you can watch a video with your kids so that they understand that. So we added a new parent-only video. These are the videos you watch by yourself to be really ahead of your kids. It's called Find All the Deleted Apps on Your Kid's Phone. And it teaches you on an Android and an iPhone how to find the apps that your kids may have downloaded, then deleted, but you can get a, a running total of all the secret stuff. It's really cool. And law enforcement officers have been asking me for this video. And then I we went and created it for our parent university membership. So it's nine bucks a month. We've also got uh, about a dozen other videos you have to watch just for parents. Oh, but I'll get to it someday. Just be careful. Understand that if you give your kids a car, you're going to want to know everything that's in that car, around that car. You're going to want to know how to be the smartest to teach your kids how to drive that car. You're giving your kids an $800 car, and I will show you exactly how they're going to get fired or hired how they're going to get kicked out or how they're going to get uh, what how predators think about these devices and these apps and those are in the parent only videos now let's go over to the kids videos we added a few new kid only videos and what that means is they're videos you watch ahead of time but you watch with your kids they're three minutes long because that's all kids have uh, attention span and that's all you have by the way you're busy so one is how to vent online for kids we tell kids, hey, kids, you're going to have a bad day, totally normal event. But instead of going to Snapchat and Instagram, consider texting your parents, your mom, your best friend, or go to a teacher in person or call somebody, do all these things. And we give them other ways to vent because they will have a normal uh, childhood. We do want them to have fun online. We want them to be a normal teenager, but we also want them to know the different channels that they should use. That's a crucial video. You watch it with your kids and they're like, oh, this sucks. Well, that's fine. But at least you you didn't have to have the dialogue. We had the dialogue with you in there and then you can go be the cool parent. Um, Hey, you know what? Um, I wouldn't do that because Josh said, don't, don't do that. Or, you know, and, and then you can watch about a dozen, two dozen videos, how to handle cyber bullies, how to take group photos, three words to have fun and be smart online. I could go on and on. We even have a middle school, high school speech for students that you as a family can watch at home. It's a really powerful speech that I showed to freshmen. You know, I travel the country doing this. 
how to get kicked out of Harvard with one tweet, how colleges search for your student online. These are videos that will change your family. I do hope that you'll consider signing up for Parent University. Schools all over the country are promoting it to their families. And we are at a critical mass to where now parents are asking lots of questions in our private Facebook group, which you get access to, saying, hey, what about this? What about this? And we're able to help them. It is so exciting. We're able to reach more people using the internet. And I hope that we can positively impact your family in Parent University. Learn more at smartsocial.com. All right, we're on to the episode now. Enjoy this episode. I really think you're going to like our expert. Hello, Facebook, YouTube, our audio podcast listeners, and everybody else that's joining in today. We have an exciting expert today, and the topic of today is really the five misconceptions that you might have about your teenagers when it comes to body image and sex. And we're going to talk about that talk today. I'm excited to have somebody that not only do I adore, but also is one of the best in the country. And she's joining us live here today. She took a little bit of time out from her practice, from what she does and what she's passionate about. And um, I want to welcome a very unique person. She's a family medicine doctor. That's right, an MD. Her name is Dolly Clock. And she is coming at us live here in Los Angeles talking about bodies and sex with teens in the digital age. Dolly, welcome to the video. Thanks for having me, Josh. I'm happy to be here. And I'm, I'm honored that you're here. I, I love what you do. I think what you're doing is really neat. And now you're a uh, family practitioner, family medicine as an MD. So not, not a PhD. A lot of people have the, those amazing letters. Uh, but you have a, an understanding of inside the human body, which is fascinating. And what do you do for families now that you're taking a small break from being an MD and, and a mom? You're not taking a break from being a mom. <laughs> never take a break from that. <laughs> never, never there. But, but what are you doing nowadays? And then we're going to dive into your misconceptions. Okay, great. So I have a consulting company called Adolescence through which I help parents uh, sort of tackle these more complicated and sensitive topics with their kids, how to talk about puberty, changing bodies, sex, and a whole host of other adolescent issues. Um, you know, these conversations are, don't come naturally for everyone, and that's completely understandable. Um, I'm a mom, as you said, so I have a 14-year-old son and a daughter who's almost 11, so I'm absolutely in the thick of all of this myself. And because I see how much time kids spend online and how easy it is for them to access not just positive, helpful, constructive information about bodies and sex, but also some more um, problematic images. I feel that it's really important for, for parents to tackle these conversations, and, and the earlier, the better. So that's my goal, really, is to help parents get comfortable with the subject matter so that they can have these really incredible, amazing conversations with their kids. That's amazing. Let's talk about those conversations. A great segue. So your first, we're, we're going to those of you that are listening in, we're, we're going to talk about the misconceptions. I think that's tactical and practical, my two favorite words. And we're going to talk about the misconceptions that humans might have about this. And when I say humans, I mean parents, really. Um, number one, we already had the talk about mm -hmm. sex. Uh, I'm, I'm done, some parents think. Like, hey, it's, it's done. I'm good. What would you say about that? Well, first, I want to start by saying that, um, again, this does not come comfortably for all parents. So we, I 
completely understand that. Um, for many of us, our own parents, while we were growing up, may not have done a great job of tackling these uh, topics with us, so we don't have that modeling to draw upon. Um, some adults are just not comfortable talking about or even thinking about their own sexuality, let alone having these conversations with their kids. For some parents, perhaps they have a history of sexual assault, and so that really adds a very complicated extra layer to the conversation. Um, for the most part, I find that parents are just so thoughtful these days, and they want they want to get it right, and they put a lot of pressure on themselves to say just the right thing. And so for those parents that are so brave and courageous and they gear up, you know, to have the talk with their child, um, they kind of, they go over about it in such a way that they, they gear up for this one all-encompassing, life-altering sex talk that's like terribly uncomfortable for everyone and it goes on for way too long. Um, and then they get through it and they wipe their brow and they sigh a sigh of relief and they're like, oh, thank goodness that's over and it's done. But this really is not a one and done conversation. As you know, ideally the sex talk is really a series of many conversations that cover different little tidbits, you know, over time, depending on your child's developmental stage, what's happening in their lives, what's happening in the lives of their teens, you know, maybe having to do with something that you've seen on the news or on social media. So the goal for parents shouldn't be to gear up for this one big talk, but really to just find teachable moments. And there's so many great teachable moments if you look for them. And to listen to what your kids are asking. If the kids are younger um, and they ask an innocent little question, you don't necessarily have to shy away. It's okay to stall for a little bit and collect your thoughts, but, but when our children, whether they're teens or, or younger, when they ask us a question about bodies or sex, it's like they just handed you this big, beautiful gift with a huge bow on top, and now you get to open it up together. Yeah. Uh, as comfortable as that is. I mean, we have to laugh a little bit about it, but um, those are great tips. I love how you said it's not a one and done. Uh, one talk isn't enough, right? Uh, and as I go around the country talking to kids about digital safety, sometimes schools are saying, oh, they got, already got to talk about digital safety. And, um, and I went, oh my gosh, it is an ongoing dialogue. Don't hire me, but have that talk every week with kids about Snapchat, right? I mean, we're not on that talk right now, but it's the same but with a child, you can't just give them that information. They might not even retain all of it or want to listen to all of it. Right, exactly. All right, so tip, misconception number two that you have as you talk to families is, my kid would never watch porn or send a, an inappropriate text or participate in sexting, so I'm good. Yeah, this is, a, this is a big one. And of course, if you haven't already had the more basic conversations about sex and bodies, this is hard. So that's another reason to have those more basic conversations first. Mm -hmm. um, it is 100% developmentally appropriate for kids to be curious about bodies and to be curious about sex. Um, it's not easy to do research on kids and pornography exposure for obvious reasons, um, but the average age of first exposure to pornography is now believed to be 11. So we're talking about kids who are in elementary school. Um, it's very easy to access images online. There is a... Um, there's a sociologist by the name of Gail Dines who has an interesting um, organization called Culture Reframed. Um, and according to her, 
88% of mainstream entry-level porn now includes imagery that depicts violence um, or degrading acts toward women. So this is one reason that I think it's really important to have these conversations with kids. So I think in addressing pornography with, um, with teens, I think parents need to make a few points. One is, again, it's normal to be curious about bodies and sex. It's also normal for teens to masturbate, and that's what some of them are using, you know, this for. But a lot of teens are using porn as sex ed. They want to understand how sex works, but this is not a good way. The bodies that they see in pornography are not what real bodies look like. Many of these actors have been surgically or digitally altered. Um, the sex on pornography is not what real sex is like. It's not what real relationships are like. And I do think that there needs to be a discussion of that violent nature that they, they may be seeing. Yeah, and uh -huh, go ahead. Very good point. I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish. I was just going to say in respect to the sexting, that's another important conversation. Um, uh, you know, even if your child never sends a nude photo of themselves or they don't have a partner that would send such a photo to them, there's a possibility that maybe their friend gets a hold of a picture like this. And it's just what, you know, we're talking about teens with developing brains who don't have impulse control and they see something like that and wow, this is big stuff and they want to share it with their buddies. Um, and so we need to talk to them about that because if these are photos of minors, suddenly we're in a situation where if you have such a photo on your phone, you could actually be charged with being in possession of child pornography. If you, if you take a photo or you share a photo, you could be charged with production or um, distribution of child pornography. And this is not obvious to our kids. We must have these conversations. We need to talk about consent and is it okay to share photos of someone without their consent? Um, these are complicated conversations, but we, we can't shy away from them. And, and part of the reason is, and I'm so glad we're discussing this right now, I was hanging out with some amazing security experts this weekend who are good hackers helping companies to keep people's information private with, with Equifax and everything else. We're, we're, we as adults, we know this stuff. Your kids don't. So these dialogues are so important, but also the law is very unforgiving, and that is where it gets weird. We were talking a lot about how we, uh, one of the security experts was a dad of a 16 or 17 year old, and he was talking about these laws about minors and if she got an image of somebody. And so it just got really interesting where these laws are unforgiving and they're stuck 10, 15 years ago. Right. I mean, these ago. laws were developed to protect minors. That's how they were developed for a very good reason. But the technology has outpaced the legal system. Yeah, and, and it, so that's why parents, it is very important to be knowledgeable and not shy away from this. It, a, a rich dialogue with your kids is the best safety app that you will ever have. A healthy dialogue, you're the only person or app that will wake up at two in the morning to go pick your kids up. No one else will. So that's why, and this, this sexting thing is so, so important. Um, all right, so we've talked a little bit about, we've already had the talk. Uh, my teen would never watch porn or participate in sexting. And then number three, kids are all hooking up these days. 
Uh, yeah, so it certainly seems like that when you are talking to other parents or um, looking at news headlines. Uh, this whole term of hooking up is fairly nebulous. It depends on who you're talking to. It could be anything from kissing to oral sex to sexual intercourse, vaginal intercourse, anal intercourse, whatever, what have you. So um, the CDC conducts a nationwide survey of high schoolers every couple of years. It's called the Youth Risk Behavior Study. And the results of the most recent one um, showed that 41% of high schoolers had ever had sexual intercourse in that range from like 24% of ninth graders to 58% of 12th graders. The thing is that the question they ask kids is, have you ever had sexual intercourse? There's no explanation of exactly what that is. So our data is only as good as the questions we ask. So we don't know for sure. There was a, um, a report that came out through the Harvard Graduate School of Education, um, part of their Making Caring Common project, um, and they found that both teens and adults tend to overestimate the degree of the, they're the size of the hookup culture. Um, and this is important because Teens tend to base their and make decisions about their behavior based on their perceptions of their peers' behaviors. And oftentimes their perceptions are really overestimations of reality. And I really feel that social media plays into this. If you're at home on Saturday night and there's a minority of your classmates are out at a party, but each of every one of them are posting, posting, posting on Snapchat and Instagram, and you're seeing all these photos, it can feel very much like everyone is there. It can feel very much like everyone is making out or everyone is vaping or everyone is taking part in whatever type of activity. And that can actually um, affect teens' decisions about what behaviors they, they engage in. So we need to talk to them about that. Yeah, so that's interesting. So that was the misconception. Kids are all hooking up these days. That's interesting. It's we're only as good as the questions that we ask in the surveys. All right, so that was number three. Just to review those of you that are listening, we already have the talk. I'm done, right? It's not a one and done thing. Um, and then number two, my teen would never watch porn or participate in sexting. Number three, kids are all hooking up these days. And, and then the fourth misconception is my kid knows that models are all photoshopped and that's not real life. Dr. Clock, what would you say to that? So there's some sort of terrifying statistics from the um, National Eating Disorders Association. And these are for younger children. 41% of first through third graders state a desire to be thinner. By the time they're 10, 81% of 10 year olds are afraid of becoming fat. So our kids are getting messages very loud and clear from everywhere, from the sides of buses and billboards, the covers of magazines, the, the body images that they see on um, the body types in video games, you know, what they're seeing on social media. There are lots of hypersexualized images and there are lots of, um, lots of photos of unhealthy bodies. Um, so it's not just professionals that are photoshopping. Our teens are, are altering their pictures. There are lots of apps now where we're not only talking about, you know, taking away the, the pimple or whitening your teeth, but, but actually now there are apps where you can change the contour of your body, you can change your bone structure, you can alter the size of your features. And so some of that is fun, right? There, there's sort of an artistic creative element here, just like with anything in the digital world, this is not all black and white. But for certain teenagers, this can be distressing for them because what happens is they start to put out this um, altered perfect version 
version of themselves and then the real them doesn't match up with the the image that they've put out for the rest of the world. Some teens are really fearful of their peers seeing unedited photos of themselves. Um, another aspect that, to this that's important is there are a lot of um, websites and social media sites that are sort of under the guise of health and wellness and fitness, um, but that actually are platforms for um, some unhealthy behavior. So you might look um, hashtags like uh, inspiration, thinspo, body goals. Now, not all of these are problematic, but some of them are. And if you are a teen with an eating disorder or you're prone to an eating disorder, then seeing all those photos of thin, thin people can become inspirational and can potentially trigger unhealthy behavior. And it's not just a girl's issue. This is a boy's issue as well. The media has lots of images out there of men who are all strapping and cut and with huge muscles and are underweight. And, and so this is really something that's affecting both boys and girls. Yeah, very, very powerful and so true. Uh, we used to advise a lot of companies and work with a lot of influencers in different spaces to mm -hmm. get them to help the brand shine online. And it was very unrealistic. And that app that, in fact, this is an app we should do an app guide on. My team should look into this. It's called Facetune. Mm -hmm. Facetune is an app and there's Facetune 2 out now. And some of the influencers were making themselves taller, their legs longer, and they would just drag and whiten their teeth. I'm like, what are you doing over there in the corner of the conference that I'm hosting? Like, oh, we're Facetuning our image and writing. And are you kidding me, right? People are looking at this. Yes. Uh, and these are adults. <laughs> yeah, and they're and they're in their twenties. Yeah, they're they're uh, setting examples for the teenagers. Mm -hmm. So um, we've talked a lot about misconceptions. We have one more. Um, my kid needs a phone in his or her room at night because, and I am the parent. It's their alarm clock. They must have it in their room because they need to know when to wake up. What do you say to that? Right. Well, I'm glad that we're talking about this because I think sleep is so important. I promise that there are good old fashioned alarm clocks still out there that do nothing but wake you up. And I know because I have four of them in my house. Um, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics, uh, children or teens should be getting eight to 10 hours of sleep at night and elementary school age kids should be getting 10 to 12 hours of sleep at night. And I'm telling you, they are not, they're not getting it, particularly the teens. So part of this is because in teenagers, um, the natural circadian rhythms that, that influence our sleep-wake cycles shift. And so the hormone melatonin that our brains naturally produce at night to help us get sleepy, that melatonin is produced two hours later on average in, in teens than it is in adults. So when we as adults want to get the whole household to bed so we can have a relaxing night's sleep and we're exhausted and our kids are saying they're not sleepy, it's not that they're trying to be difficult, they're just not sleepy. Their bodies want to go to bed later and they want to wake up later but this is not a reality in our society with our early start times for school. So kids are just chronically um, sleep deprived. And then on top of that, we have the effects of devices, which are emitting this blue light that further interferes with our own body's ability to produce um, melatonin. And then worse is um, so many teens are sleeping with their cell phones under their pillow or at an arm's reach. 
and and they're buzzing and dinging all night long and they're texting all night long so they're getting this fractured sleep and we need to care about this as parents there are lots of good reasons to care about sleep for one learning and memory are consolidated during sleep important components of brain development that adolescent brain that we all talk about that is happening during sleep growth hormone is released during sleep and teens who do not get enough sleep are at higher risk of accidents or higher risk of behavioral problems and higher risk of mood disorders so sleep is so so critical that's why i always like to talk about it good for you that is really great um just to get nerdy i'm going to be the first one to say i say this in all my speeches i tell people i think that i have an inbox addiction i'm checking my email way too much it's not just a kid thing you can set an example for children with how much you're setting your inbox in the first they say the first uh, way to fix something is to say, maybe you have a problem with it. And I definitely think that this is, I like coffee, two a day, but this <laughs> is a problem, I think, for most adults. And I'll be the first to say it. And, and I sleep, I think I'm going to take a pledge right now. I'm going to sleep with it downstairs in a different room this week. I'm going to try that. I'm really glad you brought that up. But one of the nerdy things that I do, those of you parents that are listening, and this isn't in this doesn't mean you should have it in your bedroom, but I wear these dorky amber glasses at night if I'm looking at my phone because blue light, I'm a huge geek when it comes to circadian rhythm and melatonin, your body's natural way to produce it. I'm not an MD at all, but I do geek out on the internet. And I really think that reducing that blue light after darkness, so that, that's what people used to do is they would go to bed early because they didn't have screens. Now we are literally looking at light. Never before in life have we looked at, into a light source that has blue in it uh, and your body's like, I should stay awake. Right. And, uh, so true and so weird. Um, <laughs> at the same time, sorry to geek out about that, but those are some of the things that, that I do to, uh, to do that. And I actually give all my employees uh, amber light glasses, these uh, red glasses to wear at night, because I do think it makes a little bit. Am I wrong? Do, do those not make a difference? A little uh, bit? I, I think whatever whatever can help works. I mean, really, what we recommend for kids is to shut off the devices a yeah. good, you know, half hour to an hour before bedtime. And I have a teen, I get it, that it's so hard. They're doing their homework online. This is how they're connecting with their friends. But in our family, I am very, very strict about, about sleep. My kids don't always love that, but, but I have strict bedtimes. We have rules about getting offline before, before that bedtime approaches. And all of our devices, including mine and my husband, um, charge in our master bathroom. It's sort of a weird place, but that's where we have it. And I know, I know where they are. And if I get up and something's missing, I know it's missing. So I think having a charging station out of the bedroom um, is great. Good for you. That is great. Uh, hey, doctor, I really appreciate your time here today. I want to leave you with final thoughts. What's, what's one extra thing that, that you would tell people or that when you meet with families one-on-one, -on -one, what's one extra mm -hmm. thing that either you see a big frustration or, or one thing that you like to tell people? I think my main message is that it's never too early and it's never too late to start these conversations. So for parents with younger kids, you know, pay attention, meet them where they are developmentally, answer their questions as they come up. For parents of teens, if you haven't sort of broached these topics yet, don't feel like it's too late. It's absolutely okay to say to your kid, hey, I realize we haven't really done a great job about talking about sex or talking about bodies and, and I haven't been that approachable in the past, but this has become more important to me 
now and, and look around, pay attention, ask them about their peers, spend time connecting with your kids so you can make that connection. You have a lifetime of wisdom and experience to draw upon and your kids want and need to hear about it. Mm -hmm. That's so wise. Thank you so much for all of this. And those of you that are watching right now, you can learn more about Dr. Clock uh, by clicking the links below. And if you want to have that dialogue with your kids about digital safety, about how to get fired with one post, how to get kicked out of Harvard with one post, you've heard from me before. We have something called Parent University, which isn't just for parents, but it's all about getting you to have that healthy dialogue with your kids. And it's all about making you less of the bad parent and us the bad person. That's because when you give your kids advice, you have the best of intentions, but sometimes you can't explain the why. And kids are like, well, why shouldn't I post that? Well, it's because it's going to be out there forever. We give those examples. And so we'll teach your kids why they should not share their password with their best friend, why only their parents should get that, why they should go to a trusted adult, meaning a teacher, a parent, or somebody else when they see something bad online. And perhaps some of those things, why they shouldn't talk to people that their parents don't know, perhaps what that means. And we do the explaining. You watch the videos with your kids side by side. You can even watch them way before you watch them with your kids so that you approve our videos. But that gives you the chance then to say, well, I don't know if I'd do that because remember you, you learned why. And that's what we're trying to do is, at Parent University is to make, you th make parenting a little bit easier in the digital age. Uh, we're not approaching sex as much. We're approaching the digital devices. Parent University and awesome people like Dolly Clock are, are you know, part of that. And they're helping you to be the best parent you can become. Dr. Clock, thank you so much for your time here today. Thank you so much for having me, Josh. It's always great to meet with you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our Smart Social Podcast. Are you kind of frustrated with always being the bad parent? Maybe the parent that tells your kids what not to do? Well, we designed something called Parent University that has family videos. That's videos that you watch with your kids to teach them how to be positive on the internet, to show them how to get kicked out of Harvard, perhaps to show them why they shouldn't share their password with their best friend. And parents use us as that example that they can then turn to. Well, maybe you shouldn't do that because Josh said it's a bad idea. In our Parent University program, not only do we have those family videos, we also have videos that bring you up to speed as a parent on exactly how to use Snapchat, exactly how to use Instagram, what the bad apps are. We go behind the scenes and teach you everything you need to know to be an expert. We do it in short videos. We show you everything you need. We also give you access to all of my Parent Night content that I travel the country sharing with parents to bring them up to speed on how to be safe and smart on the internet. I hope you join me. You can learn more at smartsocial.com and sign up for Parent University. Also, you might even be able to get a free copy of my book, Just Pay Shipping and Handling, Light, Bright, and Polite for Parents. I hope you'll take us up on that offer. I'll see you soon at smartsocial.com. I'm Josh Oaks. Thanks so much for listening. As always, keep it light, bright, and polite. Have a great day.